Hi, I'm Jason Bryan from the Shorttime Wrestling Podcast and founder of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and operated, and those opinions presented and expressed may not reflect others, the sponsors, patrons, or the parent network. Find more shows about the greatest sport in the world at the Matt Talk Podcast Network at matttalkonline.com. The Matt Boss Podcast is brought to you by Matt Boss, wrestling's premier video stats app. With Matt Boss, stats are integrated directly into the video you record for each match, completely replacing the need for labor-intensive pencil and paper scoring systems. Matt Boss is loaded with features, including stats integration, an online viewer, roster management, streamlined video management, enhanced reporting, schedule management, track wrestling integration, video marking highlights, and more, and more, and more. Ready to schedule a demo? Visit mattbossapp.com. If you haven't tried Matt Boss, I promise you will not be sorry if you give it a shot. I want to welcome everyone to episode 62 of the Matt Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dennis. With me today, I have Michigan State head wrestling coach, Roger Chandler. Roger, thanks for coming on. Hey, really appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to the conversation. So, uh, you know, Michigan State, you've been there. I think you're entering your sixth year. Um, you know, as you look back to your first five years at Michigan State, what, what are your thoughts on where you guys are at, where you're heading, you know, some of the positives that are going on in your program? You know, I, I always go back to when, um, you know, I sat down with um, my athletic director when he asked me um, to be the next head coach. And um, he he basically said, hey, set up your process, understand what your process is. And that was probably the best advice that was given to me um, because I think us as coaches, as competitors, um, we, we always want to have success immediately. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough process to go through, but you have to stick to your process and understand the steps to having a successful program and the, type, the types of kids that you want within your program and, and basically, you know, the culture that you're going to create. And, you know, um, it took some time and, uh, you know, we're headed in a really, really positive direction right now. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think the kids are on board, which is most importantly, most well, important. And how important is that support from the administration? I mean, so many people, especially in big 10 wrestling are probably going to feel the, the pressure to succeed right away, but to know that there's a process to get to that point, you know, how important, uh, is that to have that support? You know, there's no doubt it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a huge piece to having a successful program is having the resources necessary to take your program to the next level. And, you know, prior to me, you know, I don't think the program um, had all those resources necessary. I mean, yeah, did we have some resources? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of, you know, financial pieces involved. There's uh, programmatic pieces as far as just uh, structure and, how things are set up within the department and whether it's both from strength training to athletic training to 
athletic communications. There's a lot of pieces that have to be in place there in order to promote your program, not just coach your guys. Well, and, and you were there for 19 years as, as an assistant, if I, if I have that correct. Um, you know, so obviously you had seen so much occur through that time. And one thing I say is there's no one that can question your loyalty to Michigan State. I mean, <laughs> you have been there for the long haul. You know, um, Michigan State's a great place. And I, I, I'm not saying that just because I'm here. Michigan State is a good place to be successful, get your education, and, and you know, for me personally, to raise a family. And, uh, you know, it's very community-driven here. And, uh, you know, that's something that I was looking for coming out of college is something that was community-driven. You know, when I was in college, yeah, I had my teammates and stuff, but I didn't feel community-driven within the athletic department. You know, we didn't cross-engage with uh, the other student-athletes. And, you know, here at Michigan State, I can honestly say, you know, the other 22 sports here, you know, all, all these student athletes are, you know, they're, they're engaging with each other. They all want to be successful in different things. And I think that's, that's an important piece is that sense of community within the athletic department that everybody is trying to be successful in their different areas. And that's, uh, that's something that I look to within our department that kind of, I believe that separates us, you know, from a lot of other places. Well, and maybe that's something, you know, look, as high school coaches, sometimes we get a chip on our shoulder because, you know, it, it's hard to feel supported as a high school wrestling coach. But maybe that's something that, that we should all learn from, too, that being able to support each other, get get to the different sports. And, and uh, you know, everybody's there for a common reason. That's to compete and hopefully win. Um, but there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of fellowship that can happen in that in those processes. You know, I think you're on to something there. And, you know, one of my closest advocates, closest colleagues is, is Tom Izzo. He's a very successful basketball coach here at Michigan State, and he's a legend in the sport. But, uh, you know, I can call him up right now, and he would take my call, and it doesn't matter what it is. It, it goes the same way for all, all all other 17 or 16 head coaches here. We, we can call each other, and we do call each other, and we bounce stuff off each other because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you got to realize this is sport. We all want to be successful in our sport, but uh, you know, you, you got you got to take in the other ideas and what maybe what other programs are doing, and maybe you can you know cross reference that into your program to implement things. One of the things that and and I kind of looked and and you know just reading through your stuff and trying to do a little bit of research and and you're talking about the community and and your wife is even working in uh, she works at Michigan State as well, correct? Yeah, so she yeah, she's a associate director for academic support and she mainly works with the football program. She she oversees all their academic support, progress towards degrees, and makes sure those kids stay on track to at the end of the day get what they're there to do and that's get their education. Um and, and I mean, so obviously she understand I mean, look, you can't get into a relationship with a with a high level wrestler and not understand the impact that wrestling's gonna have on your life. You know, um I think it. I think we, as it, within our sport, we have to have the ultimate support because it's very, very little pay for what we do and the time and commitment that we have. And you know what? I, I married the right person, and she's very passionate about what I do. She's very passionate about sports, and you know, she grew up as a daughter of a football coach, and uh, so she she gets it. She understands the commitment, and you know what? 
Um, I'm very grateful to have that support on the home front, both from her and, and from my, my children. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things, you know, I've, I've learned over time is first of all, generally wrestling coaches, wives are saints. And, and second, that, that, that family buy-in is probably one of the more important things to the success of, I don't want to even say you as a coach, I'm saying your program. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, even though us as coaches are in the room and we're breaking down the technique and going through the practices, but there is that extended part, that connection within your program that, uh, you know, that is so valuable. And, uh, you know, when I recruit them, sure, they're meeting my family, they're, they're meeting my daughters, they're meeting my wife, they're meeting the coach's wives. That, that's because, you know, we want that connection. It's not just a business where, wrestlers are coming in to just get their education and and uh you know win national championships become all americans this is a family we're, we're gonna you know we're gonna approach this together and if you need to come over to my house and just watch a movie in the evening and not even talk wrestling that happens many times with with the guys within our program and it happens with the other coaches as well so you know the sense of uh, community sense of home is, is an important part to you know individual success for our student athletes well and one of the things you just said and and i think is super important and and i think sometimes especially when we're young we get lost in it is you know you think it's all about wrestling or all about whatever and one of the things you just said is one i think sometimes the best conversations i have with my athletes are things that have nothing to do with wrestling um, and being able to sit down and find out what's going on in their life or just being the person that they can just bounce some things off of that that have nothing to do with wrestling and i truly believe that that's one of our biggest roles as a coach there's no doubt i mean uh, my best conversations have nothing to do with wrestling and it just creates that interior connection um that that creates that bond between an athlete and a coach and uh you know i'll use cam caffey as an example you know he's he just beats to a different tune and it's not a bad tune it's he just thinks differently and most of our conversations are about writing code with it because he's going to be a um, computer, sci- computer science engineer. And why is he doing it? What does he want to do? And I'm trying to understand him, but then at the same time, he may want to start his own business and he's always bouncing things off me. But it's, it's that trust, it's that connection that uh, you know, tr- truly builds the relationship. And that, you know, the guys at the end of the day, when they have that connection, they're going to go to battle for you. Well, so then let's let's get into some of your guys, because obviously, you know, you've started to have I don't want to say started to have, but there has been some recent success in terms of all Americans and having guys high in the rankings and even guys that, you know, maybe they're at 500, but they're knocking off some of the best. So, you know, you have guys that can compete with with the best, Um, you know, the guys that you have in the room right now, in addition to some of the guys you have coming in, you know, what's your outlook, what's your, what's your, you know, what are the things you're looking forward to this coming season? Besides well, probably just being able to compete in a normal season. Well, I'll rewind a little bit because I think it's important to celebrate your successes along the way. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we have benchmark goals within our program each and every year. And sure, we want our guys to um, outperform that stuff. But, uh, you know, last year we had eight national qualifiers and, that's only the third time in program history. In the history of Michigan State wrestling, third time in program history that they've had eight or more national qualifiers in the year. That's a big deal. 
Yeah. You know, they've done eight twice and nine once. And so, you know, we celebrated that. Obviously, we didn't get anybody on the podium. We had a few guys come up short. But, you know, now now we're going to push next year. We got to get multiple guys on the podium. Uh, I hear the guys. The guys are now set, setting goals for, for themselves as a program. You know, we want to get all 10 guys to, to the show. And, you know, that's where team success comes from. You know, when, when the goals start coming from the kids within, it's not coach driven. Yeah. Um, me as a coach, I'm always going to push and put, put high standards out there, but you know, you have something good when the kids within the program are setting the goals and, you know, they, they really expect to achieve high, uh, high things. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed is you have a lot of guys from California on your team. Is California the new? I mean, you're an Ohio guy, Roger. I mean, Ohio's your roots, but man, the number of California guys you have is is pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, I take great pride in that. So years ago, um, um, I was part of the the transformation of Michigan wrestling at the youth level. Me and Dave Dean, we started an organization called My Way. Um, and which is very we, prominent now. Yeah, it's very prominent. And, you know, there's over 10,000 youth wrestlers in that on a given year members. And uh, it's a very successful organization. And that all started because me and him were sharing an office here at Michigan State. And for people that don't know, I came to Michigan State because of Dave Dave. He was an assistant coach here at the time. We shared an office together for four or five years. And we were, we were always spitballing stuff. Um, and I came from Ohio, Cleveland area, where you know, we had the CYO or GCCWA. It was a, it was an awesome youth league. But I, when I came up here to Michigan and we're recruiting, and I was like, me and Dave were talking. The kids aren't having success at the high school level because at the youth level, they're only doing freestyle and Greco, and that's what they were doing at the youth level. They would never touch folk style or scholastic style wrestling until they got to the high school level. So they're behind the trend there as far as developing. So, you know, Dave, I give Dave all the credit is uh, he, he came up with this mastermind or master business plan to basically develop our kids so they're prepared for high school and then obviously for college after that. So we came up with this business model and it was very successful. Well, obviously it got the attention across the country. Well, some people out in California asked me and Dave to come out and meet with, you know, 50, 60 of the most prominent high school coaches in the state of California. So we sat down, we basically gave them our business model and then they kind of started the system as well. But that's when my connection to California started because um, I met some people out there at that time and uh, you know, those relationships started and that was back in probably 2002, 2003. And it took time for that to, to evolve. And, you know, we got our first California kid and then our second, you know, right now, I mean, it was funny. I, I, I'm recruiting some kids out of California right now. I was like, hey, you come here. We could be the California Spartans. It's a joke. But, uh, right. you know, potentially in a year or two, we could have five or six guys in our starting lineup from California. You know, it's not that I want to go out there, but uh, I really um, I have a lot of respect for their state. One one division and the guy who may take second, third, fourth in the state, he would win in a multi-division format. And right. uh but, uh, yeah, no, I got a good connection out there. Our staff has a good connection, and, you know, we're taking advantage of it while we can. Well, and the, and the hard – I mean, the hard part is you being in the Midwest, obviously, with all the Big Ten schools. I mean, you guys are all a lot of times button heads 
with each over each other over the same kids. Um, that's a place where there's not lots of college programs. Those kids got to go somewhere. That is correct. And you're dead on. I mean, there's, I mean, California has the most high school wrestlers of any state in the country. And they're, they're so deep with talent. And um, I mean, you can go up and down every year to kids that didn't even place in the top four of California that are a division one college program. And they're at the national tournament, you know, knocking on the door to become an all American or be an all American. So, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the state of California as a whole. And uh, I think the depth of it is, is really good. You know, I, that was something I recognized with Pennsylvania when I was in college. And I remember losing to a kid from Clarion and him and I just sitting and talking and I said to him, I said, you know, I didn't win state in Ohio. I lost in the finals. And I'm talking to him. And I said, how'd you do in Pennsylvania? And he said, I never made it to state and ended up being an All-American at Clarion. Yeah, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, obviously, Pennsylvania is a great state and they, they continue to have success. Ohio is a great state. I, you know, the one I always go back to is what about Dan St. John? Never won a state title in Ohio, went on, became a two-time NCAA champ. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and you have a relation. I mean, you, John is who you wrestled in the finals. I think my senior year, your junior year. That is correct. Yep. Yeah. He was my arch nemesis that I never broke through on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you won it the next year. We'll talk about that in, in a minute because that was that was one of my favorite matches to watch. Uh, so Fargo just happened. Um, you know, obviously, that's a that's a huge spot where everybody gets together how important is that a, an event that you go to is that an, a, an event that you recruit from or now because of social media and video and everything is that are those things that you don't have to put as much importance into no i mean for me as a coach i, I mean I, I do hold fargo in high regard because it's it's a premier national level event where a lot of the best kids in the country go to it you know, you, you're recruiting kids in four-year peer groups, right, basically. And even though you got the U16 and the juniors, and they split them up into two-year gaps. But, uh, you know, I like to see how kids compete under pressure at the highest levels. And so, you know, our whole staff was out there a couple of weeks ago, and um, there's no doubt that we place uh, great importance on it. I, I do believe that, you know, Super 32 is probably the best off-season um, or preseason event to to really um, evaluate because that's a four-year peer group and uh, you're, you're seeing how kids are doing against their four-year peers. And that's what we're doing at the college level. It's actually a five-year peer group. So, um, well, and that's, and that's folk style as well. So, I mean, you get some of those aspects of, can they ride, can they get out on bottom, which, which is an added piece. No, no doubt. I mean, obviously at the college level with the riding time piece and all that, it, it, uh, it definitely has heavy importance on, for me, I mean, me being a, when I, I had success in college, even in high school, um, wrestling on the mat. And, uh, you know, I think it's a huge, huge component to being successful at the next level. So now with this NIL kind of piece that's now in play, does that change the way you guys recruit? Does that change the way, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself, could a could a guy that signs, and I mean, it probably happened more in a football program, but could a guy that signs, you know, a, a lucrative deal come to the coach and say, hey, coach, use my scholarship on someone else. I'll take care of my own education. I mean, are those things that could happen? You know, um, yes, it can happen. Am I focusing on that right now? 
absolutely not. Um, do I have a lot of knowledge of the NIL? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the only head coach on our NIL committee here at Michigan State. And we developed a program called Evergreen. And uh, I can't get involved with that as a coach. I can't set up deals. I can't connect kids. They have to do it all their, uh, on their own. So that's that's the big NCAA rule on it. So like us as staff members, us as coaches, we cannot you know, kind of orchestrate these deals. And But you can educate them on it. The biggest thing is education. And I, I think we have a big education tool here to allow our kids. And, you know, to be honest with you, we, we've had a handful of kids take advantage of the NIL already, and they're doing pretty well with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think those are things that whether or not that you would have been way, way better than me, but whether or not we could have made those happen in, in college, man, that would have been, that that would have added at least a little bit of a relief in terms of, you know, sometimes it's hard. I mean, you can't, you can't go to work. You can't, where's that, that food coming from? I mean, for me, I wasn't on a full scholarship. I think the biggest thing outside, everybody was thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to sign this big 10, 20, $30,000 deal. There's going to be a handful of kids that do that. Right. But I think the biggest thing where it affects, like me, when I was in college, what did I do to make money in the summers? I, I, I did. I worked wrestling camps, right? But I worked for somebody else, and then maybe I get paid two, three, four hundred bucks for a week of camp, right? Now these kids can go out and they can put on their own camps and create their own business, and and I think that's the positive side of it. And you know, I just had uh, or Camp Caffey, Chase Saldate, two of our hammers here in Michigan state, they, they just did a camp and they promoted themselves and they, they did well, instead of making two or 300 bucks, maybe they're making a thousand, 1200 bucks, you know? Um, and that goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and, and who knows, I mean, they, they get their own shirts made and they sell their shirts at a camp. I mean, that's all that stuff is just going to add to the, to the, I mean, maybe, maybe that helps grow the sport as well. I think it will actually in the end help grow the sport. I, I worry about, the misgivings that people have the wrong intent with this, um, you know, working side deals through boosters and that kind of thing that could hurt our sport. Um, that's what I worry about most, you know, and I, I, I hope that, you know, the wrestling community is, as a whole will, will be honest and, and, and approach us the right deal. Obviously we're all competitors. We're all going to try to, you know, do what's best for our program, but uh, you know, there, there, there is a framework here, and I hope everybody stays within the borders of the framework. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned Cam Caffey, and I know you have a, an incoming recruit that comes from his his high school uh, where he was. You were obviously at St. Ed's. Does, does being at a prominent program add anything to the, to the mix or now with all these good preseason, you know, postseason tournaments, are those things that – kind of even out because you can see how the kids compete. Um, I'm trying to really understand your question here, but um, do I think like a program like St. Ed's or recruiting a kid from a St. Ed's or a Blair Academy or right. Do I think that has value? It has huge value. Why? Because you get to see the trend of how kids are prepared coming out of that school. And, you know, like the school that I came from, you know, if I didn't go to St. Ed's, I probably wouldn't have got the viewership or, the attention that I got coming out of college. Um, so yeah, I, I think some programs more than others, uh, and this is not a knock at, at any of the smaller schools because there's some great kids that come out of small schools that don't have the same type of program, programmatic structure. So, um, but yeah, I, I think there's some great programs out there that, 
really prepare their kids for the next level, you know, both mentally, physically, and, and from an academic standpoint, which is probably the biggest thing. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think, you know, I, I see, obviously I see St. Ed's all the time because I'm in Ohio and, and one of my sons is, is the same age as Jeff Leonard's um, kid. And I watch the things that Jeff Leonard does with those kids that at West shore that are obviously going to be coming up through, uh, that's, that kind of stuff has to be invaluable. Um, you know, having someone like Jeff work with a, a youth group. There's no doubt. I mean, obviously that program, you know, the structure started back what 1976 and Howard Ferguson created it. And, you know, credit to coach Urbis and, you know, coach Heffernan for continuing to kind of build on that structure and not lose sight of, you know, what was created because, you know, I think the most, uh, most humbling or most, uh, or the best way to kind of, uh, uh, you know, get, get positive or feel good about things is when people copy your structure, what you're doing within your program, you know, that's, that, 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 that's a compliment to you and to your program. And, you know, I, I think St. Ed's was, was good for Ohio. But then um, you had Walsh Jesuit come up, you know, it's kind of em- em- emulated that. And then you had St. Paris Graham. And, you know, you got all these programs now. You got LaSalle, you know, they're all doing these things, putting the best kids in there, giving them structure. And, you know, I think it's the, the best way to, you know, say, hey, you, you guys are doing the right thing. It's very humbling and it's uh, very re- rewarding. So, you know, we've seen recently Oklahoma and Texas leave Big 12, uh, you know, having Oklahoma, now they have to have some place to wrestle. Uh, is that going to do anything to the Big 12? Is that going to have any ramifications to Big 10? I keep thinking to myself, if if all these people keep coming towards the Big 10, that's, that's essentially going to be the national championship. You don't want to wrestle that two weeks in a row. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's no no doubt there's going to be fallout, and I hope it's positive fallout. You know, I mean, ho- hopefully, the SEC schools consider bringing wrestling back, and some of those the, the those other schools that dropped them years ago in the '80s. You know, that's that's the way I'm looking at it right now. But there's there's no doubt. I don't know where Oklahoma, um, Missouri is going to fall, and, and all that stuff. But uh, I mean, everything's just so fresh. I mean, what did they say? 2025, right. things are they're going to transfer conferences, but. Uh, you know, um, the good thing is a school like Oklahoma, a good good thing, school like Missouri, those are strong wrestling programs that I don't think those, those schools, they, they actually value the wrestling programs in big, big ways. So, you know, I think it maybe it's an eye opener for some of the other athletic directors in the SEC going, hey, look what these programs are doing with the wrestling program. So. Um, maybe we should consider adding. So that's that's well, the way I'm looking at it. You know, when I was at Chattanooga for the longest time, I mean, we had Clemson, and then they dropped their program. There was Georgia State, then they dropped their program. There weren't many in the South, and 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 I think that's an area that you know Georgia is an up is an up. I feel like they're increasing their uh, reputation as a wrestling state. Florida is doing much better. Um, I, I think there's there's value to having programs down there. Oh, there's no doubt. And everything, I, I hate using this term, but the reality is big athletics is, is a big business, right? Mm-hmm. And right now the popularity popularity of wrestling in Georgia, for example, is huge. And why would a college 
or a university down there, whether it be Georgia, Georgia Tech, why would they not want to consider adding wrestling if the popularity is that big and they could have success in it? You know, um, so that's just my mindset with it. But, uh, you know, yeah, you're you're dead out on that. I mean, th- these kids need a place to go, just like California right now. I mean, they got so many wrestlers and you got programs, uh, dropping programs. But the reality is, is it's power in numbers. And if you have a big participant pool that's really passionate about something, that's going to make your enrollment go up. That's going to drive more revenue to, to, towards your school. Right. So, you know, now I look at, uh, you know, coming up next year, obviously you want to you want to recruit. Uh, in order to have kids that are coming in to compete. Are any of the new guys you have coming in, do you, are these guys that you think are, are ready to go out of the gate or are ready to compete right out of the gate? You know, it's still too early to tell. I mean, um, do I feel really good about our guys who are coming in this year? Yeah, I do. I think they fit, filled some needs for us, you know, as far as depth within our program at what certain weights that we needed. So we accomplished that. But, uh, you know, I'll use Ryan Vazbinder, for example. He's, he's a transfer D2 kid. Um, he has a retreat year and a year, year, year of eligibility left. Um, will we use him this year? Most likely not. Our plan is to redshirt him. But if he comes in and gives us no option, that, 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 then we have to have that conversation, right? Because yeah. you, always, you always want to put your program in the best position to be successful. And, I mean, in general terms, we want to have our kids come in their first year, get a year to develop. Um, so that they can get their legs under them. I mean, I'll use Chase Saldate for an example. Last year, it, it, it worked out for his best because we planned to redshirt him before all this COVID stuff happened. And I think it would have actually hurt him if it was a traditional year for us to go through and keep him in a redshirt because he wouldn't have developed as fast as he did because he was wrestling the hammers every week in a conference-only schedule. And right. I think it, I mean, that just, I mean, maybe the red shirt and idea isn't the best thing to go. I, best way to go. But, uh, you know, you get the parents and you get the kids, they, they all want to get their legs under them. But you know what? I learned a lot last year and, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't have changed that for anything. Um, because I, with Chase Saldate, uh, as a prime example, he developed every match and adjusted to the level of competition. And he was a top 10 guy. Right. Well, and, and he still has a red shirt left now. Yeah, he still has a red shirt and four years of eligibility. Yeah. So if something happens where he could, should get dinged up, we, we, we still have that to fall fall back on. So that's a great right. thing. Um, you know, and, and I even like you said about the, the conference only schedule. And, man, that was a meat grinder. But, you know, I watched a guy like uh, Peyton Amanya, you know, who's. That, you know, he's one of the ones I looked at. He might have had a losing record. I didn't look up his record. But, I mean, he literally was neck and neck with every good kid and was taking out some of the best. And who the hell wants to go upper body with that kid? Yeah, you know, um, I think you're dead on. I think he had a 500 record going into the NCAA tournament. And he had, I mean, he had the best kids in the conference each and every week. Um, the funny thing is that even after he came out of the NCAA tournament, he never wrestled a kid outside of the conference because both both of his matches in right. the NCAA tournament were still conference uh, opponents. But uh, you know um, that just kind of shows the strength of our program right there. I mean, you brought up Peyton. Yeah, he's a junior Greco world medalist two two years ago, three years ago, and you know he's actually three years out post high school and he just stepped into our lineup. And right. uh, 
you know, he's a special kid. He bring, he br- I mean, not just from an athletic wrestling standpoint, I mean, he's a special kid mentally, emotionally, just he, he's like Mr. Rara within our program. So he drives that positive energy within, within the team. People like that in a program, I'm telling you, I think are so underrated. Uh, you know, having, having, especially if it's a kid that people think is good and you can get that positive mentality out of them, that rah, rah, I, it's worth, it's worth five, six kids. No doubt about it. Um, you know what? Your strength is within the kids within your program, and they're the ones who are driving the ship, right? I mean, they'd say the coaches are driving the ship. No, we're directing the ship. They're driving it. So, yeah. um, you know, he he's definitely – I mean, we have many kids like that within our program, but uh, he definitely puts that positive vibe within, that, within the team. One of the things I thought was super impressive, and, and you even mentioned, you know, you've only had eight or more three times in the program. From what I read, the program has been in existence since 1886, and there's only been nine coaches. Now, maybe that's the university, 1886, but only to have nine coaches, regardless of when it started. You know, there's sometimes there's such a high turnover and there's so much pressure. I mean, being one of those nine has to be something that you're you're pretty proud of. You know, I when I was hired as big or as coach here, um, I didn't know that's all the coaches there were. And it, it kind of hit me at that point. I'm like, man, I'm part of a small group of people who have had the opportunity to lead a program. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm just doing my job and I, I get all my satisfaction reward uh, seeing these kids uh, achieve th- their, their goals and their dreams. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Michigan State is, is a great, great place. I, I think we're only one of whatever 13 programs, maybe nationally, to ever win an NCAA Division One title. And uh, you know, there, there's tradition here. And you know, our team from Michigan State won the 1967 national championship. And I have really engaged that 1967 group. And they come around, they talk to the team, they they talk about what it means to be a Spartan, and just kind of passing on that you know, that, that legacy and, and making our guys hungry and realizing what came before them. Well, and also, I mean, you want to be proud of where you're at and what you're doing. And when you leave, you want to be able to look back and see that it's still going. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I have conversations each and every week from people from the past and, uh, you know, probably um, one of the best texts I got, it was after the big 10 championships this year and, I hope he's okay with me sharing this, but uh, Brian Smith, the head coach at Missouri, um, mm-hmm. he sent me a text and basically said, congratulations. He goes, I'm a proud Spartan. And that meant a lot coming from Brian because um, obviously I look up to him a- a- as a peer and as a mentor. I-, I-, I pushed or bounced a lot of things off him in my first couple of years as being a head coach. And, you know, that just says that people are noticing what we're doing and, and, you know, there is a pride here. You just have to pull it back out. Yeah. Well, and look, there, there's no one that's going to say that. I'm sure he, he, you know, wants to win every time he steps on the mat, but you can still look back with fondness of, of where you were and what you did, what you were a part of. 100%. I mean, th- th- those, those are the greatest days of our lives, right? When we're in college and we have those teammates and that will always, most student athletes, that will always be a really, really positive time within their lives and where those memories stay with them forever. So uh, now I'm going to kind of take you back to when we were in high school, because obviously you came up through one of the best programs. When, when you were coming up through and when were a young wrestler, there's so many great wrestlers out there in front of you. Were, th- were there guys that you looked up to, um, you know, that were in front of you or who did you look up to? 
You know, believe it or not, um, yeah, there was guys like Bubba Strauss and, um, gosh, Alan Freed and um, Greg Alinsky. I mean, th- these are big names, Heffernan's, that uh, as a little kid you looked up to, right? Um, but believe it or not, probably my boyhood hero that I looked up to, and you know, he was a state placer. I don't think he ever won a state championship. I could be wrong, but uh, Joe Butler. Nobody knows who Joe Butler is. Um, but, uh, you know, his dad was kind of like uh, uh, my Mickey in the movie. He was like Mickey in the movie Rocky to me. You know, his dad was. And I just followed his son, who was Joe. And, uh, you know, he was older than me, kind of like a big brother at the time when I was coming up through grade school. And, you know, I, I wanted to be have big muscles like him and be successful and wrestle for St. Ed's. And uh, But, you know what, um, going to a program like St. Ed's, the benchmark is always high. And right. I, I tell, you know, recruits t- tend to ask these questions when they come in. Coach, how'd you do in high school? Well, I was only a two-time state placer. I won states once. They're like, really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, I didn't even make, make varsity my freshman year. And they're like, how's that? I was like, well, I was behind Mike Castellana, who was a two-time state champ, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, but that made me who I am today, you know? Um, that made me fight and strive for greater things and um you know definitely definitely great years for me with within my life growing up you know it's funny you say that because i had a coach say to, or i had a parent say to me recently if my kid can't start for four years we're not coming to your program we're not we're not coming and waiting we're going somewhere else so he can start for four years you know I, i'm not gonna gonna speak down on different people's processes everybody has their own process but uh for me it worked you know yeah you got to find the hungry kid that's willing, willing to, you know what, understand the process, which I talked about earlier in this conversation. There's a process involved that everybody developed by. I don't look at kids based on, Hey, did they win three or four state titles? I mean, I got many kids on my team who never won a state championship, Mm -hmm. but what, how, how hungry are they? How motivated are they? And what do they want to accomplish? And, I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. What 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 are their personal goals and how hungry are they? Well, and, and I say that all the time. If I would have won state my senior year, I lost to Joe Plows in the finals by a point. It, it, if I would have won state, I'm not sure that I wrestle in college. Because at that point, I hit everything at that point that I thought was important. Um, I lose in that match, and now all of a sudden I want to keep going. I feel like I have more to do. Yeah, you know, you you bring a good point. I mean, there's a lot of people like yourself out there um, that uh, feel like they came up short in high school and they want to stay continued on that path. So they have that. So they feel that success and that they accomplish something. So, uh, you know, everybody does it a different way. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a picture perfect um, fit to, to everybody's success. But, uh, you know, one thing that is uh, universal or, or uniform is that, you know, it's hard work and you got to be mentally prepared to train your mind and your body. Well, and, and I, I wrestling is just one of those things that unless you do it, you don't understand it. And, and I don't think that anybody ever will. And, and every sport has its own niche. Um, I, I looked back and so I went back to when we were in high school and I, and I was just kind of looking for your because I knew your state finals match your senior year and the, and the build up that, that was there. I looked back to 1990 and I thought I saw that Ed's only had three state placers that year. Um, now I lost Adam Milson in the first round at, so he was one of the placers. Um, 
Ed's got third in state. That had to be like a catastrophic time. Um, and Ed's now Walsh Jesuit was starting to make their runs as well. Um, now, 91, if I would have won in the state finals and Rick Hep loses, which neither one of those happened, our, our public school would have beat Ed's, which would have been, you know, a huge victory. You know, a program like St. Ed's, like you were saying, how how crazy is it to have that standard that if you got third in state, that's a catastrophic year as a team? I just think they have the ability and they have the right now to have such high standards for everybody that walks through those doors um, because of what preceded them. And, you know, I think it's an honor to walk through those doors, you know, even when I go back and visit, I took my daughters back, I don't know, four or five years ago. They'd never been to my high school. They wanted to see it. And, uh, you know, they're like, why did you go here? And I was like, cause it was the challenge. It was a challenge. You know, it challenged me every, every way possible. And I knew it was going to make me better at the end. And, uh, you know, um, but yeah, going back to, you know, that, that was a catastrophic year, you know, when they only had three state placers in 1990, you know, we also got to remember that that was the year that Ferg died. Oh, and, that's, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. And, and there, I mean, that, that was, the, he was, he was our captain. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I almost left St. Ed's because, because he passed away and it just crushed me. And, uh, uh, you know, with coach Urbis, you know, he got, he got back up on the saddle and got everybody in order and, you know, he, he's a saint, you know, he, he, he knew what to do, you know, for prepared him well. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then let's talk about, so I remember when I was a freshman in college, I was red shirt and my, my, my college coach said, Hey, I want to go recruit in Ohio. You were just there. You go with me. You can kind of point some things out. And one of the fun matches for me was Jerry Grammis from Strongsville, undefeated. Roger Chandler. There was some, I'm not going to say hatred. I think there was hatred. Let's just say heat. There was def, There was definite heat in that match. You know, was that something? I had no doubts that Roger Chandler was going to win just because of of things I, you know, knew and people I knew. But was that something that, did you feel the build up there? Did you feel the feel the heat, or was this just a you that was part of your where you had to be? You know, I, I think looking back on it, and I remember living it at the time. Um, so I didn't have as much confidence as most people think. And Coach Urbis would always tell me, "Hey, look how hard you train. He can't he can't compete with you." But at the same time, I went to a grade school, Ascension, which was two miles up the road from St. Pat's. Mm-hmm. That's where Jerry Grammis went to school our grade schools used to practice together. So we knew each other growing up. Right. But we had never hit each other in high school. Uh, anyways, after, you know, when we go on to high school, I go to San Antonio, he goes to Strongsville, but we, we go all those years and we don't compete against each other. But I think it was mainly media driven, you know, <laughs> through the plane dealer or whatever it might be. And obviously the Brakeman report, um, that was big back then, but, right. uh, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure I could beat them. And, you know, you, you get in that moment when you, you compete and you just let things fly. And, you know, I didn't know I was going to hit a outside trip from a front headlock and pin them. I mean, gosh, I, I never even drilled those things. It just happened. That's, that's where the body just kind of takes over and you go into autopilot. Well, and, that, and that's one of the things I, I was going to say is, you, you know, I think for all that buildup and then when you went front headlock, it looked like you folded even half. 
and that how deflating look let's just be honest there's been times when i thought i was going to win or you know you haven't lost in a long time that's pretty deflating when you hit your back yeah nobody wants to be on their back in the sport of wrestling right i mean I tell my guys every time I walk in the room before practice, if anybody's laying on the back, they got to do 10 push-ups because that should not be a comfortable position for anybody. Right. Right. Um, you know, so, so when you look back like through college and things like that, you know, I brought up Jerry Grammis, but you know, who were some of those guys? Because one of the things that I find now is whether guys beat me or I beat them, some of those matches that I were in, that was, I look, I look for those guys. I look to see what they're doing. Who are those competitors that that you had battles with? That you have, you know, the respect, you know, that maybe people don't know or who they were. You know, um, some some of them you know. I mean, I, I wrestled Casey Cunningham so many times in college. I think it was seven or eight times, and uh, he he just gave me fits. Um, but uh, maybe some of the people um, that some of the individuals that people don't know. Uh, I was just talking to my assistant last week. We were traveling. He's looking over up old NCAA brackets, but Scotty Rania from Oklahoma State. He's like, who is that? I was like, that guy was tough. You know, I mean, I think we were 500 against each other in college, and we were always the same weight class. And, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I followed him for a while. Uh, you know, I think he's out of the sport of wrestling now. I don't think he even coaches, but. You know, you're dead on. You kind of just follow the track of people and see where they are now and what they're doing and if they're giving back to the sport or if they get their kids involved. Because right now I'm at an age right now where most most uh, most guys my age are having kids who are coming through high school right about now. Yeah, you're starting to recruit some of them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and it's funny because when I was looking back at your old NCAA brackets, you were hitting Ohio guys left and right, Dan Carcelli, John Vaughn. I mean, it was like you, you can't get away from them. Uh, yeah, I mean, when when you come from a, I say, come from such a hotbed of wrestling there in Northeast Ohio, um, it's bound to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has to go somewhere in college, and you guys are going to see each other head to head. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I enjoy competing against all those guys. Some of them I won, some of them I lost. Dan, Dan Carcelli, from a young age, I wrestled him as a sixth grader in the city championship and lost and then it, it's funny and then i wrestled him a few more times i think i wrestled him at cit and then i wrestled him obviously uh at the ncaa's my first year i was an all-american but uh um uh, you know I, I think we push each other in different ways for higher success and even though we may not say it right no for sure well, Coach, I, I, I want you to know that I'm a fan of Michigan State. I follow you. You were you were around when I was around. So obviously I follow the the program and the trajectory. And I love, you know, where Michigan State's going. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and, and taking a, a ride down memory lane and looking back at some of the old stuff. Hey, it's always good to go back and, and celebrate your successes and talk about them a little bit. And I, I appreciate you having me on.